Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. He's so good. Amen. We're going to celebrate Jesus and we're going to believe that uh, He's going to move today. And um, He really is worthy of our worship. He really is really, really worthy of our worship. And uh, just like we started off this morning, that, that the Lord is desiring, I believe, for people to break the religious boxes and hold nothing back and um, to hold nothing back. He's looking for people that I, I've, I, I've been writing in my journal. He's looking for the burning ones, the ones that... that that are so madly in love with him, that are so passionate about him, that, that I even think that you don't even necessarily have to preach the gospel in public, but your life lived is preaching the gospel. Does that make sense? Like, I'm going to t- t- preach the gospel, but my life lived is going to be a walking manifestation of the gospel, right? That, that, that where when we go into a place, like even just this past week, goodness, I was at the bank on Friday, and at the bank on Friday, and they're all panicked, and everyone's angry and bitter and mad. And I'm like, I'm like, it's hard to really have, it's really hard to have a bad day because Jesus is king. <laughs> and so, so everyone's mean and hateful, and, and I get to pray for all the tellers and just bless their socks off, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, but he's good, so. All right, let's, let's just, let's move forward here. Look at, um, oh man, I tell you what, I'm going to read Isaiah 7:14, and then I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1, and uh, he's so good, Jesus. I'm so glad you guys are here too. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will bear a child, will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. She will call his name Emmanuel. Now look at Matthew chapter 2, and we'll break all this down. Hey, and I am perfectly good with kids being loud and stern about and, and we say this all the time here. We want our kids to be okay being in the presence of the Lord. I don't want to have to hide them in the back and tell them to behave. They're, the only way they're going to learn is to be in this environment. Okay. And we're believing that our kids, we're believing our kids when they turn 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, do not have to go and experiment with the world, but they actually go and change the world because they're so on fire for the Lord. Okay. All right. I'm going to start with Matthew 1.18. And then uh, we'll, just, we'll just read for a little bit. Thank you so much. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when, he had, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, 
son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> she will bear a son. She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the, by the Lord through the prophet. Verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to the son, and he called his name Jesus. Now chapter 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. <coughs> for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. 2 verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So Jesus... I pray by the way of your Holy Spirit, you allow the truth of your gospel to be imparted today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 123. So let's, let's just do this. Isaiah 7:14. Isaiah prophesied and said that the Lord himself would give a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and, sh and she will call his name Emmanuel. Then in Matthew 1, he reiterates this prophecy, and he says, Now all this took place to fulfill what, what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And I love this. And right here it says, Not you shall call him Emmanuel, but they shall call him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. They, they named him Jesus, but it says they will call him Emmanuel, meaning that he really is God with us. It, it describes who he is. Emmanuel, again, it means God with us. It also means God protects and God saves. 
And so he prophesies, or Matthew writes and says, they, as in us, we will say he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is not a God who is in outer space. He is not a God that's sitting on a cloud watching down saying, I hope they do good today. He is a God that says, I'm going to get in the midst of their lives. I'm going to get in the midst of their messes. <coughs> I'm going to get in the midst of the good times. I'm going to get in the midst of the bad times. I am Emmanuel, God, with them. I promise to never leave or forsake them. I, I promise to be with them from the very end of to, until the very end of the age is what Matthew 28 says. He is Emmanuel. That is the greatest revelation that we could ever, ever receive is that he is with us. <coughs> Excuse me. He's come to share in our situations. I love that. Like you never do anything by yourself. When you're by yourself, you never do nothing by yourself. He's with you. And, and, and Emmanuel, we, we, we talk about the presence of the Lord all the time. Like, like he, Emmanuel really is him incarnate. It is the presence of the Lord. And, and, and if there is anything that we need, I believe we need a greater revelation of his presence in our day-to-day -day lives. And then we need an increase of his presence in our lives, all right? We, we need those things. Our church, we've said this from the get-go, we turned two years old on, on Sunday, January 13th is our two-year celebration. I know, God's done so much, so, so much. And, 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 and we said from the get-go that the most important person in our church isn't the pastor, it's not the pastor's wife, it's not a church board, it's not elders, it's not deacons, it's not a worship pastor, it's not a youth leader, it's not a children, it, it is the manifest presence of himself. That is the most important person. And so when we come here, yeah, we get fed, but what we really come to do is we want our worship, like we just sang, to be pleasing incense unto him. It's like, it's like, it's not about a man or a woman on a stage, and, and it's not about, <coughs> it's not about a people in a crowd. It's about a God that's seated on the throne, and we come and we worship and we praise him and we celebrate him. That's what we're coming to do. Actually, it's Ephesians chapter chapter four that says that, that, that some are apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, evangelists. Why? To equip the saints to do the works of the ministry. Like we believe that we come here to be equipped so that you go out there and you're literally dangerous to the, to the kingdom of darkness when you go. <coughs> I really want to take off and go today, but my, my, I keep coughing. <coughs> we need his presence more than ever. We need his presence more than ever. We say something like this, like, and I'm not knocking that others, others that do this. I'm just saying this isn't our priority. Like, programs are great, but they're not the end-all, be-all, right? Fellowship is wonderful, but it's not the end-all, be-all, right? Uh, great worship is wonderful, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Good teaching, sound preaching, like, all these are really important things, but without him, they're worthless. Oh, buddy, bless you. Without him, those things are worthless. They're really no count at all. And I don't want to do anything unless he's in the middle of it. I just assume to go home and sleep in a little bit or do something totally different, right? 
But if he's here, then I'm going to give him everything that I have because he's worth it. We need his presence. And so the revelation of Emmanuel, God with us, really shows that there's two ways to live our lives. With his presence or without his presence. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's either yes or no. There is no fence in the kingdom of God. Actually, the enemy owns the fence. And so it's either yes or no. And, and so Emmanuel shows that there's those two ways to live. Jesus came to make it possible so that we could live in his presence all the days of our lives. That's why in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. And we have read that verse time and time again. Abundantly means with exceedingly great. It, it, means, it means to live life with an advantage. What's the advantage? That he's with me. It's not that I have, it's not that I have someone with me or a bunch of guys. It's not that I could beat anyone up in a bar fight. I don't do bars, but I'm saying, I could not be anyone up. I'm saying my advantage is that he is with me. And so when I walk into a room and, and I walk into a room, I'm not outnumbered because anywhere he is, that's who the outnumbering is. He is our advantage. He is our excessiveness, if you will. He, Emmanuel, is our more, and Emmanuel is going beyond the expected limit. That's what abundantly means. That's who he is. Now, there's a few revelations from Emmanuel, God with us. So, so when we say he's Emmanuel, he's God with us, let's just say it real simple right here. <coughs> Why did Jesus come? Like he came to save sinners. That's, we understand, I think we understand that. He, he came to see, save people from their sins. But he didn't come so he could save us from our sins and we continue to live in sin. Like he didn't do that. Okay. But he, he came because the Lord desires to restore that which was lost. Look at this. Look, look at Genesis chapter 2 because this is why he came. Because this was the Lord's original plan. His original intention, if you will, was right here. Genesis 2. Is it 2 or is it 3? Goodness, Lord. I'm sorry, 3. Genesis 3, verses 8 and 9. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And man and his wife hid themselves. This was after they had sinned and fallen. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now I'm going to stop right there. But the Lord showed up in the garden, which garden I believe the new covenant is kingdom. The Lord shows up to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day which means this time of almost relaxation and enjoying each other's company. It's like if you're going to sit out on your porch and have coffee, you're, you're going to do it in the cool of the day. You're going to do it early in the morning or you're going to do it as the sun's starting to go down, right? You're going to do that. It's the cool of the day where you can enjoy intimacy and fellowship with one another. And so, so Luke 19 says, the Son of Man has came to seek and save that which was lost. 
See, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, and the Lord said, if you eat of the tree, surely you will die. And, and because they ate of the tree, that ability to walk with him, hand in hand, if you will, or side by side, that was separated in that moment. Think of the privilege and the honor that they had. Like, they didn't know sickness. They didn't know guilt. They didn't know shame. They didn't know heartache. They didn't know loss. They were walking in perfect communion with the Lord, walking in fellowship and intimacy with the Lord. And when they ate of the tree, when they did something the Lord said, do not do, okay? I mean, it's quite that simple. They did something they should not have done, and it broke that fellowship. And the Lord said, you know what? I'm going to take care of this. Actually, before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain, which meant that there was a conversation in the cosmos somewhere, and Jesus said, I will go and be born. I'll be slain so I can restore that which was lost, which is walking with him. And so when we say Emmanuel, God with us, you have the birthright and the privilege to walk with God all the days of your life. You have the birthright in the privilege because, how, why I say birthright? You're born again. Not just saved from your sins, you get born again. When you get born again, you therefore have new birthrights and your birthright is to walk with him. It's like, what does that even look like? It looks different for all of us. For me, I put this online the other day, I was sitting at our dining room table and my dogs are romping and chewing on bones underneath my feet. And I'm drinking a cup of coffee. And he's sitting there and he's talking with me. And I'm talking with him. Like he came so that I could have that. That's mind boggling. That the one that said let there be light. Light was released from his mouth at 186 miles and miles per second. The one that said let there be and it was so and it was good. The one that did that was born of a virgin and came so that I could sit and have that fellowship and communion with him. Like this is great when we're in here, but it's really good when I'm by myself. And, and you want to know what, and I'll just be honest here. Like if you want to know what people's relationship with the Lord is, like you find out what you really believe when you can talk to him when you're by yourself. Because it's like this, if I'm talking to him when I'm by myself, it's one of two things. I'm either out of my mind, plumb nuts, or he's really real, and he's really there with me. And I bet the farm that he's really real and he's there with me. The Lord called the man and said to him, where are you? The Lord's looking for men and women today saying, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. Again, that's what the Lord originally wanted was that relationship with him. And, 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 and I believe he longs to restore that unbroken fellowship, unbroken fellowship. Like no times of separation, if you will. <laughs> it's not like I need to get out of my house because I need a break, right? It's, it's not like the Lord doesn't want that. The Lord wants that unbroken fellowship. He longs to restore unbroken intimacy and he longs 
for us to walk with him where there is nothing hidden. That's why that they didn't even have the revelation that they were naked until they sinned. The Lord desires us to, I'm not saying we need to walk around in a colony. I'm saying, I'm saying we need to walk around with no guilt, shame, or condemnation, okay? <laughs> Wasn't in my notes. Emmanuel is the Lord's way of restoring that back. And so when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we celebrate the right that we get to experience the Lord, not just have a head knowledge about the Lord, but to experience him day by day by day. That's what we're celebrating, folks. He came to reverse the curse. Because the Lord said, if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. John chapter 11, Jesus says this in verse 25. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Adam and Eve were originally created, and they did really weren't even supposed to have a lifespan. They were just supposed to live forever in the presence of the Lord in the garden and continue to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth to increase the boundaries of the garden. Like they were called to do that, and, and they were called to walk in communion with him. But because they ate of the tree and because that they sinned, then, then the Lord said, okay, fine, you, you have a lifespan now. You, you have an expiration date, right? And we understand now that our bodies physically give out. But because of Emmanuel, God with us, he came to reverse that curse. It means that I'm, I might physically die, but I'm never going to die. I'm going to live forever, right? We sing about stuff like this. We sing like when we've been there 10,000 years bright, shining as the sun, we have no less days than when we first begun, right? You understand? Like, like, like he says, I am the resurrection of life. Like you could live with this mentality that eternity doesn't start when your body gives out. Eternity starts right here and right now. Come on. Amen. Jesus. He came to reverse that. And so that's why in is the first or second Thessalonians, that's why we don't mourn as those without hope. But anyway, it's in there. We don't have to be afraid of death. And I've been there 10 years ministry. I've been there countless times when people took their last breath. You know, I've been there when people were scared to death and you're like just sharing the gospel. You give your life to them. You have nothing to be afraid of. You know, like I did that and I did that and I did that. And I've had those that are just like, I'm ready. And it's like, you have nothing to fear. And the enemy, that's the one thing he likes to make us most fearful of is the fear of death. Well, it's not death. It's just, it's a continuation of what's began, except for it's going to be much more intense (laughs) and probably much more loud. It, it is. I mean, you, you have you have you have six winged creatures around the throne, with, covered in eyeballs, going, "Holy, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come." And then you have all these elders continually casting down their crowns. I mean, I mean, it's going to be a loud place. No, yeah, there's thunderings and lightnings and peals of thunder all around this throne. 
I mean, it's just going to be this incredible, incredible thing. There's this big giant rainbow that's over his throne. I mean, it's absolutely mind-boggling. When you start looking, it's going to be this glorious, glorious thing when you're there. But it can be really good right now if we understand that he's with us. <laughs> his presence allows us to overcome sin, which we talk about this like you don't have to struggle with sin. You don't. <laughs> Which means that you don't have to keep doing the same thing over and over and over. Well, brother, I, you're, you're, you're heaping condemnation on me. No, I'm not. The gospel, he came to make you free. Galatians 5.16 says, but if I walk, if I live, if I have habitual conduct, if I, if I behave, if I walk by the Spirit, <coughs> I will not carry out the desires of the flesh. This is about restoring what was lost. I came to do that. Adam and Eve, like we quote this verse a lot here too, that, that, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Adam and Eve were walking in righteousness before they ate of the tree. They were walking around. I mean, how can you walk in the presence of the Lord and not burn up, right? Because he defeats sin, that when the Lord looks at us, he looks at us through the lens of Jesus. We've talked about that as well. That when he views me, he actually views me. Jesus is the mediator between us and the Father is what Hebrews says. It's actually, it means the lens, the glasses, the, the lens that he looks at. And so when he looks at you, he looks through the lens of the blood of Christ. And he thinks you look pretty good. <laughs> we just need to walk in that. So here, here's, what I, here's where I want to kind of land on here in just a moment. This may be the shortest message I ever preach. Just warning you. Don't get used to it. <laughs> like, I, I believe that because he came and he's Emmanuel, God with us, that ought to elicit a response. Like when someone does something for you, it typically gets a response. Good, bad, whatever, you know? It's like if you do something nice for someone, like you, you respond. It's, it's thank you, right? So like you're going to get gifts from folks. You get the gift. Thank you. You receive it. You don't say, and you shouldn't say, oh, you shouldn't have, because you probably didn't mean that anyway. But you just say thank you. You receive it. You receive the blessing from whoever did that very thing for you. And, 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 and because Emmanuel, because he's God with us, I believe that deserves a response as well. It's like, it's like you didn't have to do this, but you did. And because you did, I'm going to respond with my life. All right? So what do we do? I, I think we respond by not holding anything back in worship. Now, now, now worship isn't just music, okay? It's not like worship. We call this worship. 
Actually, the biblical definition of worship was actually this. Anytime they did worship in the Bible, they went and gave an offering. <laughs> Could you imagine having an hour-long offering and a three-minute a three-minute song set, right? I mean, that's, 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 I'm, not, I'm not saying we need that. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that's what it was. But worship, worship is this lifestyle. Worship is this thing of, of actually costing of yourself. It's, it's, worship actually is, is giving something that, that requires sacrifice to do. Now, look at this. So, so I'm saying that the response should be that we do not hold anything back. Matthew 2.2 2 says, where is he? This is the Magi. Where is he who has been born of the king of Jews? <coughs> For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, the Magi didn't want to just see the star. So let's just say it like this. The star was the thing that pointed in the direction where Jesus was. So here, we've been really blessed. The Lord shows up, and sometimes God heals people. Sometimes people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Those things are wonderful. But you know what those things do? Those things point to Jesus. It's like if, if, you're, if you're driving down the interstate, if you're driving down the interstate and you're looking for a hotel to stay at and you see the Holiday Inn Express sign, you don't pull your car over at the Holiday Express Inn sign. Right? That'd be silly. You drive and take the directions to where the sign says that the place is until you get to your location. All right? So when he shows up and he moves with signs or wonders or he does things, it's not to draw attention to those things. We celebrate those things. We don't obsess over those things. It actually points to him because without him, those things aren't possible. And so the Magi said, there's a star. I'm not content with just looking at the star. I want to get to the one that the star's pointing to. Now, the Magi, they were also from a higher social class. This is what's amazing to me as well. They were a special social class, and actually these guys would have been like, like there were degrees, but these guys would have been a higher degree because what they actually gave. But they were like priest, priestly-type kings, if you will. But they still came. Let's be honest, side note. We have a hard time honoring people in authority in this nation. Let's just say that. I'm not saying right or left, Democrat, Republican. It doesn't matter who it is. We have a hard time honoring those who are in charge. <laughs> and these guys said, we have a high rank. And they went and honored this newborn king. And when they honored him... Listen to this. When they started their search, in all likelihood, it probably took them two years to get from whence they started to where they actually got to Jesus. So they followed a star for two years. Think about that. Like some of us, we get really frustrated if we Google something and it's like the fifth or sixth result. It's like, oh, I got to scroll through. <laughs> I'm serious. It's silly, but it's the truth. These guys said... There's a savior of the world. There's a king that was born. And I'm going to spend the next two years of my life chasing after him until I actually get to him. There's something to be said about persevering. 
Oh, then verse 10, I love this. After their two years, now imagine like two years of just anticipation. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, <laughs> like shut up, dude. We're, we're, we'll get there when we get there, right? But are we there yet? And two years of buildup, verse 10, it says this. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Again, people of high honor just said, yeah. he's holy and he's worthy. And they fell down and they worshiped him. See, see, they didn't hold anything back. They didn't be like, I wonder what my brother's going to think. Right? I mean, he didn't say stuff like that. They, I wonder what my family's going to think. They didn't say anything like that. They just went, <laughs> they just worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, this is an amazing word too. They presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The word treasures, it literally translates as caskets, but not like dead people casket. Think like big treasure chest. <laughs> Think like big giant treasure chest, okay, that has all of their wealth in it. This is by the way where, this is by the way when Jesus says that if you store up treasures on earth, but actually there's treasures for you. It's the same word, but anyway. Treasures means receptacle for values, treasury, storehouse. They got to his feet. They got to this young child, and they realized that he was who he was supposed to be. They fell at his feet, and they worshiped him, and they bankrupted themselves and gave him everything. Bankrupted themselves. What does that look like for us? I'm not telling you to come and give all your money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying give your whole life. I'm saying don't hold anything back. I'm saying that he came and paid a price for you. So the only logical response, if we can use logic, the only reasonable response, I like that word better because sometimes faith isn't logical. The only reasonable response is to just say, I'm going for broke. I'm going to bankrupt everything that I have and you have my whole life. I'm holding nothing back in reserve. I'm going all the way in. I'm not going partially in. I'm going to go all the way in, Right? That, that's, that's why when I, I give that word during worship, that like we wonder how much, how little we can do to where we're still okay and in. And that's the wrong question to ask. It's just like, how can I grow? How can I become more obsessed? How can I continue to fan into the flame that I received? It's, it's, it's how can I go deeper? How can I, how can I love him more? What can I do? And it's not about doing. It's about following him with everything that you have, church. Hmm. It's really the difference between wanting to hear information about God or having an experience with God. I like information, but I really love experiences. It's like information about my wife. She has blonde hair and green eyes. Sometimes they're green, sometimes they're hazel. I don't know. They change. And she likes to walk. 
she loves her dogs. Like if that's all I had was that information about her, like that wouldn't be all that great. Yeah, I think she's beautiful. I know those things about her. But get to walk and live with her every day of my life? That's something totally different. And the Lord desires us not to just know information about him, but to get to walk with him. (laughs) And this next last point is that I believe Emmanuel, God with us, I, I believe it's a revelation where we really can enjoy all of life and even the little things in life. Like Ecclesiastes says, do not, despi- do not despise a day of small beginnings. But in Luke, Luke chapter 2, it says this, Luke 2, 11, I know I'm jumping around. For today, in the city of David, there has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You shall find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now, let's be for real. If I'd have been the shepherds, because there were shepherds that came and then there were the magi, two separate instances. But if I'd have been them and I'd have been like, all right, so the Savior of the world's here, I, I probably would not have went and looked at the manger or the horse stable. I've been like, where's the Holiday Inn, <laughs> right? Or where's the Hilton? I'm going to look for something great big, glitzy, and glamoury. I would have been like, where's all the signs that point to him, like the big banner advertisements, right? I'd have went to the rich part of the city and went to the most expensive place that I could have found and been like, this surely is where the king is residing. But he wasn't born that way. He was born in a humble manger, something dirty with animals all over the place. It probably wasn't up to some of y'all's cleanliness standards, (laughs) right? Like you'd be like, (laughs) it was stunk. And that's where he was. Why do I believe that's so significant? I believe it's significant because they came and they worshiped him And they were able to do it even when there wasn't all the frills. There wasn't all the frills. Like I know like this space, it looks different. This was like doing it on the cheap. I'm just telling you. It looks nice, but this is doing it on the cheap. But this isn't what a lot of people expect. And that's fine by me. It doesn't really matter about this stuff. I mean, if it was just a roll of yarn in here in a big empty room, as long as he's here, that's all that really matters. So he's born in this place, in this lowly beginning. And I believe it's a revelation that it really doesn't matter where you are in your life. It doesn't matter how little you have. It doesn't matter how much you have. He's still there. And it's still, you still should be able to celebrate that. He didn't come as a conquering king. He came as an atoning sacrifice. He came as one that went, I just surrender, basically, is what he did. 
He just gave us life up. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.